please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Spirit of the living God, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. What are human beings? What does it mean to be human? This is the essential question of our lives, the essential question of many fields of discipline and a question the psalmist is asking here in Psalm 8. And so today I want to talk about what it means to be human, how we participate in it, and who and what is truly human. So first, what does it mean to be human? What are human beings? If you were to ask anthropologists, some might say it's the opposable thumb. Yes, there are some other animals with opposable thumbs, but none like human beings. The dexterity of our thumbs have allowed us to manipulate our environments at another scale, creating tools and therefore technological breakthroughs allowing us to advance and perhaps welcome civilization as we know it. But others would say, no, no, it's the stories we tell and the information we're able to pass on so others can build on that information and have those breakthroughs that usher in civilization. Still others would say, no, no, it's the capacity we have to tell those stories. It's, it's our intelligence. Yes, there are other intelligent animals, but none like human beings. Philosophers might contend that it's not so much our intelligence, as important as that is, but it's what gives birth to intelligence. It is awareness itself. We are aware that we are aware. I know that I know or don't know. Philosophers might say that it's perception is what makes human beings distinct. We perceive feelings. We perceive actions others might take in a given scenario. It's beyond just our senses of taste, touch, feel, and hear, but, but it's also to perceive what might be the case. Theologians have argued much the same. What does it mean to be human? Of course, the correct answer to a theologian is to be made in the image of God. But what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Some would say it's that we can make art. We can craft pottery and paint walls. We can create symbols that not only mean something, but from which we're deriving meaning from something we see or have experienced. We are creative animals like our creator and creative God. Others would say, though, that it's our ability to be in relationship to others. In fact, a lot of fields of discipline are landing on that 
theological premise. To be in relationship is to be human. In other words, there is no human being in isolation. To be human is to be in community. Now, in Psalm 8, I believe this text also adds to this conversation and centers it around something important. How do we participate in this humanity, whatever it might be, whether it's our intelligence, whether it's our creativity, whether it's our opposable thumb, whatever these breakthroughs we've had as human beings, what does it mean to be human? Well, firstly, what it means to be human must be defined by what being human is not. Psalm 8 begins with, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name. It establishes there at the beginning and as it ends, who is the one in charge? You see, to be human means to not be God. That would seem obvious. That would seem a simple point, and yet so many of the world's problems stem from the belief that we are, in fact, the gods of our own lives, the gods of our own worlds. If you asked some philosophers what it means to be human, they might cynically say to wage war. Unlike any other species in the world, we can wage war at a scale unknown to other creatures. Because while there are other animals that practice violence and go to war, we can do so at a scale that can destroy the world and everything in it. It is why Oppenheimer, who invented the nuclear bomb, said, I have become death destroyer of worlds. When we confuse our creatureliness with being creators, our being governed with being governors, we forget that we are human. We are not God. In our own country, we have been beset by acts of violence at our schools, at malls, in places that would otherwise have been known to be safe and peaceful. Yes, human beings are capable of great violence, often because we believe we are our own, that we are accountable to no one, that we can create our own truths, make our own choices, and do what we will with our own resources. But Psalm 8 reminds us we are creatures, not creator. We are the governed, not the sovereign. We are those blessed by the original blesser. We are loved by the lover of our souls. We love God because God first loved us. To be human is not to be God. And so secondly, to be human therefore is to be stewards of what God has entrusted us with. It says that we have been made a little lower than God. We are not God, but we are to be stewards 
and rule over God's creation like God. In other words, we are caring for what God ultimately cares for. We are to rule over what God ultimately rules over. And therefore, we must do it in light of who God is. Psalm 8 tells us who God is. God is someone that doesn't just make a world, but it is a beautiful world. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars that you have established. In fact, I'm reminded of this every spring, and this spring, of course, is no different. Everything in bloom, it didn't have to be that way. All of the flowers could have been yellow. And the butterflies and the honeybees would still go to the yellow flowers, but instead we have this rich diversity of color and beauty, all testifying to the work and grace of God. God made not just a world, but a beautiful world. And it's not just beauty, but it's also a world that we can understand and study. It is why philosophers and anthropologists and neuroscientists can look at our world and make observations and make conclusions based on an orderly world. And it's not just a beautiful world. It is a good world that God has made. It is a true world that can be tested and measured God has made this world, and it's not only beautiful and good and true, but it is a world in which surpasses our understanding of goodness. It is a world in which God cares for the most vulnerable. How do I get that from the text? They're in two places. Number one, the question, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? You see, what I didn't tell you about being human is despite our great capacities of intelligence and creativity and manipulation, we are also incredibly weak creatures. We are weak. We are not the fastest. We're not the strongest. We're not best adapted for the air or the water. We're sort of a hodgepodge mix of adaptable beings in our environments, vulnerable to the elements. And so we've made clothing. We've had to make tools because we haven't been strong enough or fast enough. God has cared for us as vulnerable creatures. But how else do I know it? I know it because God entrusts to our care all the things put under our feet, the sheep and the oxen, Psalm 8 says. Now, those of you who went on the Scotland pilgrimage have a special insight after looking at hills of sheep after sheep after sheep. Sheep are gentle creatures, and that is a polite way of saying it, because others might say they are the dumbest beast on the field. In fact, there's this story of all these sheep that got led out of the pen, and they go over a hill landing to their death. And one by one, they all go over to the hill, landing to their death. But finally, some survive. And some wondered, I wonder if those are the smarter ones. But it wasn't because they were smart. It's because of all the piled up dead sheep that protected them. Sheep are most vulnerable. 
They need care. They need guidance. It is no wonder we have Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, because certainly we need guidance of the same magnitude and order. God has established a world that calls us to care for the most vulnerable. That's how we participate in this humanity in relationship to each other. We care for the sick, the elderly, and the children. We care for those who have no voice. We care for those who are poor and in need. We care for the most vulnerable in our midst. That is what it means to be human. And lastly, according to Psalm 8, the way it begins and the way it ends We are to be the praying animal, one anthropologist puts it. We alone are the praying animal in all of creation, the sacrificing animal, the ritual animal, exactly what the psalmist is doing. You see, the psalm begins and ends in praise. To be human is to praise the one and only God, sovereign How majestic is your name in all the earth. The only one truly worthy of our praise. Because you see, praise flows out of gratitude. And gratitude out of an awareness of all of the incredible ways we have been blessed. If you were to just begin, even now, to count the ways you have been blessed, to count the ways that God has watched out for you, they would be without number. You would never come to an end. That is true awareness, that you have come this far by faith. By the grace of God, we are here gathered together as one people in Christ by the power of the Spirit. That, my friends, is grace. We can smell the the beautiful food being cooked out there on this day because we're alive. That, my friends, is grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Now, if I ended it there and I said, now go and be a good human, Go and be truly human, you know, go and be good stewards and remember that you're not God and, and, you know, care for the most vulnerable and make sure you praise God at the beginning and at the end. Maybe for some of you, maybe it'd be years, months, days. Maybe for the rest of us, it'd be minutes. Each and every one of us would fail, fail miserably, in fact, because we couldn't possibly do this in our own strength. We could only do this in the name and in the way of the one truly human who was fully human and fully God. If we look to the life, death, and life again of Jesus Christ, that is what it means to be truly human. And what did Jesus show us? He was perfectly obedient to the one he called Abba, Father. He was perfectly truthful, speaking the truth to power, but speaking the truth in love. He told stories that reminded people of the good and the beautiful and the true witnessing to God. He shared wisdom. He provided for those in need of healing and of food. How do we participate in this true humanity? We can only do so by the power of the Holy Spirit in the way of Jesus. And so, friends, we are invited today and every day 
to surrender all of the capacities we have as human beings. Our intelligence, our awareness, our creativity, our ability to, to wage violence and war at a great scale, to surrender all of that into the hands of the one and only true Lord and Sovereign. How majestic is your name across all the earth. To surrender that to pray for the faith we need to be obedient like Jesus. Surrender your hearts and minds today. Will you do that? May it be so. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.